Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. And I am Chris Clements. And today we have leaving. breaking news. Yeah, this is breaking news. This is uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. You'll probably hear this on a Monday. Yeah, but uh, the House of Representatives has booted uh, Representative Ilan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Imagine that. Yeah, and that is did the and that's the following impetus of that was because of. Her history of anti-Semitic comments and positions, and I think they felt like, "Hey, you can't be on foreign affairs where we deal with issues related to one of our closest, our to our closest ally in the Middle East." If you are anti-Israel, I, you know, I read I read an article the other day that um, over two hundred rabbis actually wrote to the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and and before that, Nancy Pelosi requesting her ouster. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone yeah. in terms of how this was going to play out from the beginning. And it's, it's a razor-thin margin for the Republicans to oust her, but, but that's what seems like it's going to happen in, you know, on the heels of uh, several other ousters from the uh, House Intelligence Committee. Right. He, and the Intelligence Committee doesn't require a vote of the House nope. because that's a speaker-designated committee and speaker mccarthy said to eric swalwell and to adam schiff bye-bye you're out you're not going to be on the committee and, and yet and yet the democrats still put their names up for, yeah for nominations. well and i think and, that and, and that's was... a, that's a little bit different in that you know we actually have you know long-standing data and understanding of what these two were doing on the intelligence committee that was that that was seriously jeopardizing national security. Sure, I, I mean Schiff was just blatantly he, lying. He was a, well, he was a leak and master. Fabricating, right. He was leaking anything he could leak from that committee, classified or otherwise. He was doing yeah, and and lying blatantly to the press, lying blatantly to whoever would listen, and then and then Eric Swalwell from the great state of California <laughs> went a little bit farther. And, we had a relationship and, with a Chinese spy. Had a relationship with a Chinese spy, which he's never denied. But Elian Omar, um, it's it has more to do with with her comments, her actions surrounding the the state of Israel and her her anti and, it, and it's, viewed, it's being framed as as payback for when the Democrats ousted Marjorie exactly. Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, Arizonan, uh, from their committees for extreme comments that they made. Uh, and so this is a little tit for tat. Uh, now I think the, the ouster of Omar is different because there's a caveat that says, well, she can appeal this ouster to the ethics committee and, you know, there's a chance that she can get herself back on, which they did not give that option to Gosar or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, I so. I can't imagine that that goes anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, you we'll never wait and see. You never know. But uh, 
But yeah, this is this is something that Kevin McCarthy said that he was going to do. He, he had promised those who finally came around to his side that he would he would do this, mm-hmm. and and he's lived up to that promise, yeah. whether you agree with it or not. There's, I mean, when it comes to Swalwell and and uh, Pencilneck, the the outrage is rather faint. I think. I mean, it's it. People seem to be trying to create this false outrage that oh this is just horrible, but when you look at the record and I and I heard a congressman yesterday say well if they're so concerned about Swalwell and they really want to keep him on the committee then release the FBI report yeah declassify it right declassify the FBI report let everybody to show see. that there there really isn't anything that there, there really isn't anything there and if if that's the case. I would be happy to vote for him along with other, some other Republicans. But, of course, the president won't do that yeah. because there is there there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot there. Right. And this was a uh, Chinese communist spy. Her name was Christine Fang or Fang Fang. Fang Fang? Fang Fang, who actually had a lot of different relationships with several Democratic folks throughout the uh, Fruit of Plain. And then uh, once the FBI opened an well, investigation, he was the highest level, right? yeah, he was the highest level. She, she actually, she actually placed uh, an intern in his office and had a relationship with him for several months, if not if not longer. So uh, once the FBI opened that investigation, she um, very curiously disappeared. Yeah, back. or was she disappeared? Uh, she went back to China. Oh, okay. they, they know that for a fact. <laughs> From there, who knows? And then she got disappeared. Yes, most likely. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. Um, speaking of McCarthy, yes, he met with President Biden to talk about this debt ceiling issue last night. Uh, and it was this morning. Was it this morning? I thought yeah. it was yesterday yeah. evening. Okay, it was this morning, I think. Um, but the it McCarthy came out of the meeting saying he didn't think it could have gone any better. And he feels like he and the president are on a good first step. Now the white house then put out, you know, information that said, we're not negotiating. We expect to, you know, we'll talk about spending cuts, but not under the auspices of raising the debt ceiling. So we'll see how this goes. Um, Obviously, the markets have responded well. If if there's a response to this, the markets are up, so they're definitely not fearful of a of default. And you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what do the markets do if we get to the brink, uh, which will come sometime in June, June or July. Is, what saying. Right? is when that really really hits the uh, well when kind of conventional wisdom says that's when we're really, really well. And, and sadly, this is the only type of leverage that Kevin McCarthy has at this point is the debt ceiling. Yeah. Because the ability to affect the budget went out the window with, with the Senate and, and their vote to right. Uh, the vote on the, on the, on continuing the budget. resolution. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or the omnibus, the omnibus versus a continuing resolution, which right. if they had done that and just extended, um, current funding through February, which is what was recommended, which is what McCarthy wanted, uh, he'd have a lot more leverage over the president. Right. He had a lot more power. And uh, uh, Speaker, or excuse me, my, Minority Leader McConnell kind of clipped his wings on that one. Yes, he did. He could have 
he could have uh, held up that. He could have demanded a CR, and that would have been the end of it. Right. Well, and, and this all comes at an interesting time because we've got State of the Union on the 7th, yeah, Tuesday the 7th. And we've got everybody in Washington, you know, singing Kumbaya this morning at the National Prayer right. Breakfast. So, and, and I read through the President's remarks, very, you know, quite decent. But, yeah. uh, but we'll, see, we'll see if that togetherness and brotherly love has any, any, any power next week. When, when we do State of the Union, uh, you know, obviously he's going to harangue the Republicans about giving him a clean debt ceiling increase. Uh, there's going to be, I'm sure, talk about, well, maybe there will. I mean, the question on the police reform as a result of this, these stuff that happened in Memphis, which is hor- horrific. Absolutely um, horrific. You know, the president has basically said, I've done everything I can by executive order. It's up to you guys, meaning Congress, to pass something. And, uh, you know, the George Floyd Policing Reform Act or whatever Which is it was basically called. trying to nationalize our police force. I don't know if that's going to fly. Probably, well, not now, not yeah. in the House for sure. Um, you know, it, it's, we're in a totally different dynamic. Uh, there is, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he says and how Republicans in the, in the House react and if there is any movement on, on that. And I think Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, who has been a part of that reform effort, uh, you know, maybe he can restart those discussions. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. But um, what else do you think we'll see, we'll hear from the president and the State of the Union? Well, I think there'll be a more of a, we'll hear a lot about Ukraine and Mm. Ukraine funding. We'll hear a lot about, hopefully we'll hear something about China and Taiwan. And it's his opportunity to send a clear message to China uh, because the saber rattler, saber rattling is already occurring. And in fact, you had a, uh, a general in the, you know, at the Pentagon issue a memo last week. I can't remember his last name, but issue a memo to his troops to say, prepare for war in 2025 with, uh, with China. So that, that is something that we need to, understand is a possibility and uh with a you know that that china's going to try to push that button uh i hate to use that that word button but when it comes to china but but they feel that that taiwan is strategically their own and if they can get a hold of those chip manufacturers there in taiwan to improve their own military readiness and capabilities that's what they want to do yeah uh, has nothing to do with the land. Has nothing to do with the people. Has everything to do with the technology, right? And everything to do with their military prowess, which, although although extensive, is not technologically advanced, right? Well, and it's speaking of technology. So that's another thing we're going to hear from the president is his bragging about the Chips Act and all the manufacturing it's creating, uh, the in, the Inflation Reduction Act, and all um, the inflation it's creating. Well, it's it's creating inflation, but it also is. Uh, so it's going to get, it's going to get more expensive than they expected because everyone's talked about the tax credit for electric vehicles for individuals who, if, if they're under a certain threshold, sure. What they haven't been talking about is the tax credit for battery manufacturing to big companies. And this is going to, they, when they forecast the budget on the cost of this, uh, this tax credit, 
uh, Congressional Budget Office forecasted that it'd be about 30 or 40 billion dollars. Yeah. And now based on what announcements have been made by companies and how much ba- battery production that they're putting into the pipeline, it's going to be closer to a hundred billion really? or more. But, but, but who's going to buy all those cars? I don't know. I think demand's going up at as, 60, so, 70, 80,000 bucks a pop. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's still a giveaway to, Oh, it's industrial policy. Echelon. It's yeah. It's industrial policy. And so what happens is you, you might have a dearth of, of batteries all of a sudden, no consumers to buy them. And no and 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 then you have you've got tax credits for batteries, tax credits for cars, and only a certain amount of people are gonna take advantage of that. Right. Who can put a charging station in their home or take you know, who who don't live in rural areas. If you live in an urban area, you know, like like you have a you have a Tesla and, and you drive it around town and you might have taken it on a long trip once or twice, but but for people who live up in North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, or you know, if you else? live in rural Arizona, it doesn't yeah, make rural sense. Arizona, because it makes and I'll give you an example. No sense. So, so you, yes, I have a Tesla. Yes, you do. I went to and, my, and, and to be clear, I have a gas guzzling GMC that's right. Sierra, <laughs> I, which I, I love. When my uh, when my aunt passed away, she was from Thatcher, and I drove to her funeral. Uh, I did. There was no place. You took the Tesla. I took the Tesla. Uh, I didn't have much choice, <laughs> and I got to Thatcher because I, there was, a, you know, supposedly a charging station in Superior, which actually was like basically plugging into the wall because it was so slow. I was going to be late to the funeral if I stayed to charge it all, and so I just decided I'm just going to go to the funeral and figure it out from there. And what I had to do is I had to drive down to Sierra Vista. Oh my. To charge and then drive back, back to to Phoenix. Oh my god! So I had gosh. to go two hours out of my way. Well, closer to three, in order to get home. So yeah, it's not great for rural America, and we'll see what happens. And the other thing is, well, and then what he would, you know, what they will say is, well, but, but we're 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 investing in infrastructure, and part of that infrastructure plan is all these charging stations from you know across the fruit of the plane. But the problem with an industrial policy like that is that there are unintended consequences and, and the laws of supply and demand are still in force. And it's it, until you solve the supply issue and on, 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 on many levels, you're, you're not going to have a lot of demand and, and also the capacity issue. You're not going to have a lot of demand. And the majority of people who buy the large, we said this on this podcast last week, the large big trucks and, and, and rely on the internal combustion engine are folks in rural America. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you're talking about, like you said, it just hasn't hit rural America yet as a, as a source of demand. Yeah, it, and it may at some point. But the problem is that it's not that your car is $7,500 cheaper. It's that you still have to pay that amount you're going to get that off your taxes the next year. So the average American might be able to buy the car if it was literally $7,500 cheaper because of the tax credit. But if they have to wait for that to be taken off their taxes for a year, there's a lot of people that leaves behind. So this tax credit is not everything is crazy. What it is is it's it's basically a giveaway to 
upper class, upper wealthy class, Americans, wealthy Americans. Ab- absolutely, who can pay for it and take advantage of yeah. it. Yeah, and install the you know two hundred volt charging stations in their home and do the whole nine. And guess years. what? That tax credit wasn't uh, retroactive. Yeah, I didn't get one for my Tesla. Nope. So, no. Oh well. And uh, I'd rather just have lower gas prices. Well, I yeah. don't disagree. And and I'm grateful that GM is investing a billion dollars in new V8 engines because they're recognizing it's not going to go away. It's you know, not going away as quick as people think. You know, and I think that California is probably going to have to uh, rethink what the Gavin Newsom has done because I think it's, is it 2030? 2035. No, no, more, no right? more gas yeah. purchase, or, you know, can't sell a gas engine. In the state of California, I don't know how that works. So if I'm if I'm a dealer, do I set up at Quartzsite? Probably <laughs> Yuma. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go buy my big truck and bring it back. On the other side of Blythe. Yeah, on the, the side I don't know. I don't know how that works. But it, listen, ten years is a long time. Obviously, a lot can happen. Technology can change. Uh, speaking with many of the, my my dealer friends, I mean they don't. They actually believe that the whole electric car craze is is a fallacy. They believe hydrogen is really the promise of of the car industry. That is speaking of hydrogen. That is actually what where where what they're planning for, and that's not something that the folks pushing industrial policy upon us are talking about. Which is interesting. Did you watch? Have you watched that movie Glass Onion? Something something. Nice. Knife, knives Out or something? Knives like Out? No. I, I'm familiar with it. Oh, my gosh. It. You've got to watch it. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a That's great with Daniel Craig, right? Yes. Yeah, and James Bond. Um, <laughs> who died in the last movie, I'm just going to say. Uh, it, is, it is a fantastic movie. Um, and hydrogen is a key component is it? of that storyline. Yeah. Which well, has a very interesting ending, I'll just say. Yeah, when... Uh, when I, I was meeting, no with spoilers. A, well, I was meeting with a dealer friend of mine, and and uh, you know, they're having to comply with all sorts of pie in the sky ideas from from GM and and whomever. But uh, if you look at the foreign co- uh, car companies, you know they might have an electric vehicle here and there, but they're they're up in the ante in terms of their investments in in gas vehicles. Yeah, and Toyota, Toyota, Leader. and and others, and. And he really imparted upon me that everything that he has seen um, points to hydrogen. That is the most efficient, most accessible. So is it the idea is that electric is going to be a little bit of a bridge then or just well, I mean, the idea that he that he had talked that we talked about just in general was it's everything there's there should be an everything approach like our energy policy. Yeah, all of the energy policy should be. Everything car policy should be everything. If you wanted to, if you want a V eight, you know, truck because you haul things and you need a V eight truck and the, and the battery powered is insufficient, you need a V eight truck. If there's if there's if hydrogen power comes online in in a in a more opportune fashion, then that will pave a way for other customers. Uh, you know, on in terms of distribution companies, we made a huge investment uh when when i was ceo golden eagle and compressed natural gas because natural gas is plentiful and clean and 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 in terms of power and longevity there's there's no difference Interesting. Um, yeah no difference uh with, with those engines it's 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 actually they're better than electric to be honest with you 
So this idea that we're going we're gonna to funnel everybody into one power source as part of a national industrial policy is ridiculous. Yeah. Interesting. Well, well and that's the rain. <clears throat> That's the we, we it's all the time we have. It's good. We can be all over the place. The tangents are good. Yeah. Keep an eye on the State of the Union. We'll be talking about that next week. We'll see if he gets through it. He'll get through it. How many narcotics do you think it's going to take? It might take a while, a lot, but he'll get through it. He always, <laughs> he, he always ends up, this is what I say to people, on the big stuff, he always comes through. The debates, State of the Union last year, State of the Union this year, I think it's... He'll be fine. Okay. All right. If you say so. I think so. I don't know so, but I think so. Yeah, just, he just, <laughs> just don't ask him any questions. Well, there won't be, yeah, there won't be question and <laughs> no, answers no, afterwards. No, no Q&A. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.